This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Jason Burns and Access Church in Lakeland, Florida. For more information, visit access.tv. Y'all ready for God's word? 2 Kings chapter 4, 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 8. As the pilot says, we are going to make up time in the air, which is so annoying. Why didn't we get there at the right time anyway? But here we go. 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 8, and it reads, Now it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunem, where there was a notable woman. One translation says a very wealthy woman. And she persuaded him to eat some food. So it was, as often as he had passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food. Apparently her cooking was good. And she said to her husband, look now, I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Please let us make a small upper room on the wall and let us put a bed for him there and a table and a chair and a lampstein. So it will be whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. It happened one day that he came there and he turned into the upper room and lay down there. Then he said to Gehazi, his servant, call the Shunammite woman. When he had called her, she stood before him and he said to him, say now to her, look, you have been concerned for us with all this care. What can I do for you? How would you like a prophet of God to ask you, What can I do for you? Excuse me, I've got some things you can do for me. How much time do you have? He said, what can I do for you? Do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? She answered, I dwell among my own people. So he said, what then is to be done for her? Gehazi answered, actually, she has no son and her husband is old. So he called her. So he said, call her. And when he called her, she stood in the doorway. Then he said, and here's the message about this time next year. Hey, can you say that with me? About this time next year. Let's just pause and preach for a second. Fill in that blank. What's the miracle you would love to see God do in your life about this time next year? My body would be healed. About this time next year, my loved ones will be sitting in this service with me with their hands lifted, worshiping God, loving God the way. About this time next year, revival would have broken out in my city and hundreds and thousands of people will be healed and set free of their addiction and a loving God. About this time next year, he said, you shall embrace a son. And she said, no, my Lord, man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. But the woman conceived and bore a son when the appointed time had come of which Elisha had told her. Let's pray. Father God, we're grateful. We're thankful for this moment, for this opportunity to be in your presence. God, we make room for you. God, to do whatever you want to do. God, we know what you want to do. You want to reveal yourself. Pour out your love. Embrace us with your peace. God, heal, deliver, sit free, impart vision and dreams. God, do what only you can do in this moment, God. And we say that we will obey. Whatever you lead us to, God, the answer is yes. We'll be ever so careful to give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. In the matchless name of Jesus, we pray. Come on, somebody shout amen and amen. It is evident from Scripture that God loves 
each and every one of us. Somebody say amen. The Bible says in John chapter 3, verse 16, for God so loved the, not that he loved America, not that he loved Mexico, not that he loved the UK or France, the entire world. He is no respecter of persons. There is not one person that God does not love. Somebody say amen. It's evidence in the book of Hebrew that we all have access to God. The Bible says, come boldly before the throne of grace in your time of need, and he will give you mercy. Because of the blood of Jesus, a pastor doesn't have more access than a church member. A church member doesn't have more access than a new believer. We all have the same access to the throne of Jesus because of the blood of Jesus on our lives. Somebody say amen. Now, all that was a setup because even though God loves us equally and we all have the same access, it is evident by looking in Scripture that God does not move in everyone's life in the same way. It's evident by looking in Scripture that God doesn't do great things in everyone's life the same way. I mean, think about Abraham. Here is Abraham that God himself said, this is the father of faith. Listen, it is one thing if you call yourself the father of rock and roll. If you, I'm the father of R&B. I mean, you named yourself that, whatever. When God calls you the father of it, that is the ultimate who's your daddy. That is like you are the father of faith. The Bible says that God made Abraham so wealthy that nations around took notice. Abraham said so many descendants that he could not even count his descendants the same way that he could not count. Them. God moved mightily through. We all know Abraham. Then there was Lot. Lot was Abraham's nephew. And outside of escaping a city being burned to the ground by the skin of his teeth and having a pretty salty wife, we don't hear, we don't hear much more about this Lot guy even though they came out of the same family. We all know about David. There's actually a Billboard's Top 100 song about David. It goes something like this, Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his tens of, he was, there's just certain things I can't wrap my mind around. David was one of the greatest warriors to ever live, but he wrote in a journal. By the way, I don't know if you guys know this. I don't know if your pastor ever taught you this biblically. Men don't have journals. We have revelation books. But we don't have journals. <laughs> Y'all gonna figure out I'm kind of crazy. Here it is, David, one of the greatest warriors. Of, the Bible says, a man after my own heart. At a young age, some people believe somewhere around 16, he defeated Goliath, the greatest warrior to live at that time. He was he was a man that led an entire nation into the presence of God. Everybody knows David. You know Shama? You ever heard of Shama? Shama gets two verses in the Bible. The first verse he got in the Bible was when God was looking for a new king. And you know what God said? It's not Shama. <laughs> the other verse he got in the Bible was when they were looking for somebody to kill Goliath. And you know what it said? Not Shama. And that's all. Shama was David's older brother. And as I'm looking at scripture, I'm saying, here are people that come out of the same family, had the same parents, same, was it Mima? 
The same Mimas, the same DNA, but yet weren't used by God in the same way. And as I'm reading this and as I'm having this desire to be used by God in a great way, I'm asking the Holy Spirit, what did the people do that were used by God in a great way? And what did the losers do that were not used by God? You see, sometimes we only study great people. No, you've got to study losers too and know what not to do. And I'm looking, I'm saying, God, what did the, and the Holy Spirit brought me to 2 Kings chapter 4. And he said, look at what the Shunammite woman did. The Bible tells us in 2 Kings chapter 4 that there was a prophet. His name was Elisha. And, and apparently it was kind of like back in the cowboy days where you just get on a horse and go from city to city to city prophesying over these cities. And, and Elisha would come to the city of Shunem. And, and for some period of time, this woman convinced Elisha to come and eat at her house. Now, this is not biblically correct, but this is the New International Stephen version. I know like Elisha knew that the Shunammite woman was Caribbean. It's not historical, it's not geographical, it's not biblical, but it's the truth. How do I know? Because the Bible says that he came back every single time to eat her cooking, which means it could have only been beef stew and rice, beef patties, pickled pig's feet, coconut bread. I don't know if you could tell I'm Caribbean. It was the best food on planet Earth. And every time he would come to the city, she would cook for him. He would come back over and over and over again. And then finally one day she looks at her husband and she says, well, after he eats, he's already sluggish and ready to go to sleep because my cooking is that good. We might as well build an addition onto our house so that he can live there. Now, me and my wife, okay, I can't trash my wife because she's not here. Me and me uh, is not the brightest person in the world. So in the middle of the pandemic, we said, we don't have anything else to do. Why don't we renovate our kitchen? It looks pretty simple on TV. They just swing some hammers, and next thing you know, a commercial break is over and the kitchen is done. It's going to be the same thing for us. So we start renovating our kitchen. The first day, we get the phone call from the contractor. Uh-oh, we need you to come and see this. And it was just like the TV. They had swung a hammer, went through the kitchen floor into the basement. There's this big gaping hole in my basement, and now I'm renovating my basement. We ordered a refrigerator for our kitchen in August. It came May of the next year. Why do I say, making addition onto your home for a profit is no small thing. This is not like, hey, let's throw it to, no, no, this was construction. Chances are they were on the city wall. This took time, but she said it was worth it to create space for the man of God. And I'm reading this, I'm saying, Holy Spirit, what are you trying to say? And he said, Stephen, it's this simple. The people that I move greatly in their life are people that go out of their way to prepare space for me. So the people that I use in a great way are the people that are intentional, that do crazy stuff like have revival nights that do real crazy stuff like go to church on their birthday because they got nothing else better to do than to be in the prayer. He said, the type of people that I do great things through their lives are the type of people that are intentional enough to prepare space for me. I don't know if I'm preaching to you or around you. I'm kind of preaching to myself. But my aspiration in 2023 is to create space for God in my life 
in a way that I have never created space for him. Can you join me? Can we? Can we? January is almost over. We got 11 more months, but can we say, God, I'm going to create space for you. I, I only have three quick points. It's going to take me about four hours to preach it. It won't be long, and then we'll sing happy birthday at the end. It will be great. First thing is this. Write this down. I don't know if you know this, but I need you to take notes in church. You are 84% more likely to go to heaven if you take notes in church. I'm just trying to help you out, give you the best shot I possibly can. Since we're talking about statistics, 79% of statistics that come from pastors are made up, so you can take it. Point number one, write this down. Prepare with no agenda. Prepare with no agenda. So here it is. She's cooking for him over and over and over again. And then she puts the addition onto her home. By the way, I think I need to clean this up. Uh, don't put an addition on your home for your pastors. The, that's weird. That's creepy. They, they don't want to live with you. That's not the revelation of this passage. This is figurative, not literal. But could you imagine how Elisha was the first time he came for dinner? And she said, your room is ready. Wow. You shouldn't have, no. You really shouldn't have. But after all of this serving and, and feeding and creating space for Elisha, he, he steps back and he said, we've got to do something for her. I think he almost said, look, I've never seen someone this intentional about creating space. I've got to be a blessing to her. And he asked her, he said, well, what can I do for you? And look at her response. In, in, in verse 13, it says this. Look, you've gone to all of this trouble for us. What can I do for you? Is there anything I can say, let me slow down, on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? And she said, I'm content to live at home with my own people. He said, do you want me to talk to the president for you? Because I know him. Would you like me to talk to a five-star general on your behalf? Because I know him. First of all, I'm reading this like, I need new friends. Because none of my friends know the president, and they definitely don't know a five-star general. And if you do, I've got some people I need to be killed. So if you can just, did I say that out loud? That's not good. Anyway. He said, I will talk to powerful people on your behalf. Just say the word. Now, I know that you're a lot more godly than I am. God's still working on me. But if somebody asked me, what can I do for you? Just name it. My response is, how much time do you have? Well, let's start here. I need this, I need this, I need this. That's just the needs. Now I want this, want that, want this, want that. That's just the wants. Now here's the wishes. This would be great. That I mean, I, I could color code it. I can make it alphabetical for you. What, what, how do you want me to do? And here's what she said. I don't need anything. I didn't do it to get something. I really just did it to serve you. Y'all, when I tell you I was jacked up, I began to think, when's the last time I prayed and fasted for 21 days just to be a blessing to God? Not because I needed him to do something for me. 
When's the last time I prepared space? I, I, I worshiped in my room, not because I was begging him to give me another message, not because I had a problem that I needed him to fix, but I actually just enjoyed sitting at the feet of my father and enjoying his presence. I think we've got to get back to pursuing God with no agenda. I think we've got to get back to God. I'm preparing this space, but I'm not preparing this space with a wish list. I'm preparing this space for you to do whatever you want to do, and I'm not going to tell you what to do. I find sometimes I, I get really disappointed with God, and I know you don't because you're a lot more spiritual than I am, but I get disappointed with God sometimes because he doesn't listen to me. It sounds like heresy, right? It's because it is. <laughs> I, I didn't even realize I would do this. I will pray to God about something and subconsciously tell him how he should do it. You, you, you ever done that? God, 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 I need a job. That's the one I want. And it'd be great if I got it on this date because you see, I've got this vacation that's coming up in three months and I need my vacation time. And, and, and I'll just tell God how to answer my prayer. And then when he doesn't answer it the way I want him to answer, by the way, he never answers it the way I want him to Why? Because the Bible says his way are higher than my ways and his thoughts are higher than my thoughts. And I'm disappointed and God said, no, 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 no. You came to me with directions. Allow me. We need to prepare space in our life for God without telling him how to do it, but saying, God, I'm going to allow you to be God in my life. Every year, our church does 21 days of prayer and fasting, and uh, every year I hate it. I can't say this to my church, but they're not here, so I can tell y'all, but I can't stand it. Y'all see how skinny I am. I love food. There is a chunky voice check somewhere inside this body, and every time I fast, I love food more. So I've, I've gotten to this habit where, 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 where every time a fast is coming, I, I, I like hibernate like a bear. I'm cooking all my favorite meals like the week before and just shoveling it down and think maybe if I eat it all the week before, I could just like, and it never works. I never coast through the fast. But this year I made gumbo. That was my, I'm, I'm going to make me a bowl of gumbo. And y'all, it wasn't like, like store-bought gumbo. It wasn't like you get the roux off of Amazon. Like it was like from scratch made my own broth. Yeah, that's impressive, right? That is impressive. No, I know that's impressive, but y'all ain't impressed. I'm impressed. I don't need y'all to be impressed. I'm impressed. That is, I, mean, it, I mean, it was, I mean, smack your mama type of gumbo. It was, it was good, 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 good. So I went to the store, bought all the ingredients, and I got home. By the time I got home, it was like 7 o'clock, and I was hungry, and I'm like, I'm not cooking, so I ate something else. Then I woke up the next day, I'm like, okay, I'm going to start at 11 a.m. And I looked at all the vegetables that had to be chopped up, and I'm like, nope, not going to do it today. That night, I said, I'm going to cook it. I chop up all the vegetables. By the time I was finished chopping up the vegetables, I'm like, I'm tired. I'm not doing this. The third day, oh, fast is two days away. Now I really got to do this because I got to eat this whole pot in like one day. So I finally say, okay, let's make this gumbo. I started at 6 p.m. Told my kids, get ready, it's going to be good. Told my wife, 7, 8. Nine, kids are in bed. Ten, my wife is past the 11.30 and it was finally finished. It was amazing, by the way. Five and a half hours to prepare this bowl. Preparation isn't easy. Preparation isn't quick. Preparation is not convenient. 
Preparation is intentional. And I find for so many of us, we say, I want to prepare space for God, but I don't even know how. I, I, I don't know what the ingredients of preparation. Can I give you some ingredients of preparing a space for God? Ingredient number one, I've got to apply the principles of God. If I'm going to prepare space for God, I've got to apply his principles. What are principles? These are guidelines in which if I conduct myself, I will see the promises of God come to pass. One of God's principles is if I'm faithful with little, he can trust me with much. So one way I can prepare space in my life for God is being faithful with what he's put in front of me and not doing it for my boss or doing it for a paycheck, but doing it unto the Lord. Another principle or ingredient of preparation is the ingredient of purpose. I've got to apply the purpose of God. There's a lot of things in our lives that we have a purpose for, but the purpose for them is not God's purpose for it. Let me give you an example. I have a purpose for my marriage, and I can say this because my wife's not watching. My purpose for my marriage is to make me happy. That's why they've never invited me for a marriage conference. I'm not, <laughs> that's not a good teaching. That's not biblical. God's purpose for my marriage is that my love for my wife would represent God's love for his church and be an example to the world of who Jesus is. If I have a purpose for my marriage that is not God's purpose for my marriage, I won't see the presence of God. It's not a place that's prepared for him. I need the principles of God, the purpose of God, and the power of God. I think we've got to get back to a place where we don't just believe in our ability and our strength and our education and our networks, but we believe in the almighty power of God, the God that calls things that are not as though they are, the God that looks at dead situations and calls them alive. We've got to be a people that say, God, I need your presence and I need your power in this area of my life and never before. And as we prepare space, we'll see God show up. Second thing is this, write this down, write this down. I need to prepare for the supernatural. I need to prepare with no agenda, but I need to be prepared for the supernatural. The, the, the woman, the Shunammite woman's response to what do you want is shocking. I don't want anything. Like, who does that? Who goes to God and then says, nope, I just came to be around you? Well, she did. Now, the prophet's response to her I think is even more shocking than her response. Here, here's what it says in, in verse 16. Then he said, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. And she said, no, my Lord, man of God, do not lie to your maid. So here's what she said. Don't get my hopes up. Because I can't handle wanting something that I've wanted for my entire life and then being disappointed. Now, now here's, here's what I struggle with. Evidently, she was not able to have children. That's why it was such a great miracle. And if she was not able to have children and the prophet asked her, what can I do for you? And she said nothing. One of two things had to be true. Maybe both. Maybe she was truly content and didn't want anything. Or maybe she was afraid of being disappointed. Maybe she had walked away from that dream in her life and had already surrendered that it was never going to happen. Maybe she got into a place where she said, I'm not holy enough to ask for something that big. 
I haven't been a Christian long enough to expect God to do that in my life. I, I, I haven't, you know how we get into this performance Christianity that when we hit this level, we are now eligible for this level of miracles. And, and if I haven't hit this spiritual level, then clearly God's not gonna do that for my life. Maybe just she just thought that she wasn't deserving. And in this moment, God was proving me moving supernaturally in your life is not based on your performance. It's not based on your tithing record. It's not based on how holy you think you are or not. It's based on you are my son and you are my daughter and it is my good pleasure to give you the kingdom. You've got to understand when you create space in your life for God, there is no way supernatural miracles will not break out in your life. There is no way you can have revival nights with hundreds of people gathering and miracles not break out in your church and in your family and in your marriages and in your businesses and in your school. You, we, 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 we do something very similar where we'll pray and fast for 21 days and our, our revival night is actually on Friday. I'm jumping on a plane tomorrow, go home and preach back in Maryland. We've been doing this for you. And when I tell you, can I say dumb miracles? Is that the dumb miracles that we've seen? I'm talking about children that were born with one eye blind that went to the doctor and the doctor says, I don't know what happened, but they can see out of both eyes perfectly on their way to surgery and surgery. And let me really mess with you. Nobody laid hands, nobody splashed oil, nobody shopped anything over the child. It was just the presence of God and the faith of God in that atmosphere. When I tell you that there's women that doctors have said, you will never have children. There's nothing that you can do. And here it is holding their physical baby that the doctor said would never happen. When you create space for God, he shows up in a way, watch this, that you wouldn't even dare pray for. Access Church, I believe that there's miracles that are coming to your church that you don't even have the guts to pray for. But God says, because you're creating space for me, I'm going to move in a way that, that, that you wouldn't even ask me to. Here's what the Bible says in Psalm 37, 4. It says, take delight in the Lord and I will give you the desires of your heart. It's gonna sound sacrilegious, but I promise you it's biblical. Can I teach you how to get whatever you want from God? That sounds real selfish, right? But you really wanna know, come on, you wanna know. You're like, I'm listening, I'm listening. Here, here's how you get whatever you want from God. Forget about whatever you want. Come on now. And just pursue him. And he said, when I'm your pursuit, I will give you the deepest desires of your heart. I'll make sure that there's nothing that you lack. Last thing is this, write this down. It is well when you've prepared. It's well when you've prepared. Now, different times I'm preaching, I'll ask this question and People always give me the wrong answer, uh, but I have faith. This looks like an intelligent church, you guys. Y'all look edumacated. You look, you look put together. You're going to pass this test. You guys ready? Here we go. I've got good news and I've got bad news. Which one do you guys want? Why do they always want the bad news first? What is wrong with you people? Okay, fine. You asked for it. I'll give it to you. No, it's not. I can't change your mind now. Can I give you some bad news? And you're going you're gonna to think he's got a joke. Nope, it's real bad news. All miracles come with problems. 
Here's the bad news. All miracles come with warfare. You just got to know. Oh, you see, nobody's laughing anymore because it's actually bad news. Gosh, pastor, this is not very encouraging. Yeah, but it's true. When God starts to move supernaturally in your life, you've got to expect the attack of the enemy. Can I, can I give you some good news now? God's going to move supernaturally in your life. God's got miracles with your name on it. God's got doors that he's getting ready to open for you that no man can shut. God is going to do things in your marriage, in your health, in your business, in your faith, in your ministry that the Bible says no eye is seen, no ear is heard, no mind can conceive. But God has it. Somebody shout amen in this place. Let, let me give you some other bad news. There's going to be drama whether there's miracles or not. So if I'm going to have to deal with drama in my life, it might as well be drama and the miraculous hand of God. So this time that next year, guess what? She was holding that miracle baby. That baby that she didn't even have the guts to pray for, but God knew the desires of her heart and she gave him. The young boy grew from one years to two years, two years to seven, seven to 13, 14. And then the Bible tells us that one day the boy was playing outside and he, and he this, this is a really bad verse for fathers. I ain't gonna lie to you. This is a really bad verse for fathers. So the young boy goes to his dad and he says, dad, I have a headache. I'm not this type of dad. I am. He said, go find your mother. And I gotta tell you, headache, your mom will take. He goes to his mom, says, mom, I have a headache. A few hours later, he's dead. What do I do with a dead miracle? Things we don't talk about in church. I, I, I'm excited about a miracle, but what do I do when my miracle dies? Come on now. This marriage was a miracle at one moment. And now it looks dead in my hand. This business that God gave me that fed my family for the last 10 plus years, it was a miracle at one moment. And now I'm holding, I'm not speaking for her, but if, if I were her, I'd say I could have done without the miracle. If I knew that this miracle was gonna break my heart this way, I would have done better not to have the miracle in the first place. And what blows my mind is that's not what she did. Here's what the Bible says in 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 21. It says that she went up and she laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door upon him and went out. Then she called to her husband and said, please send me one of the young men and one of the donkeys that I may run to the man of God and come back. So he said, why are you going to him today? It is neither the new moon nor the Sabbath. And she said probably one of the most gangster statements of faith ever. She said, it is what? The fact that she is even composed, not screaming and crying her eye. What? She took him upstairs and put him in the prophet's bed, came down and told her husband, it is well. Here's what I found out. That when I live a life of preparing space for God, when life hands me a dead miracle, I know exactly where to take that dead miracle. 
to the same place that I had been preparing for years and years up to this moment. I know where the presence of God resides, and I know that wherever I have a problem, whatever it is that's dead in my life, I just got to get it to the place where his presence is, and he's able to breathe life into it. She goes to her husband and she said, I need a horse and I need a, somebody to ride with me because I'm going to the prophet because I know that he can raise my son from the dead. And here's what her husband said. He said, it's not the time to go to prophets. I, I don't know what culture was back then. Maybe you do. But apparently prophets only prophesied on new moons or the Sabbath. And this day was neither a new moon nor a Sabbath. And he said, hey, I know our son is dead, but this is not the time of the year nor the season that God does miracles for us. We're going to have to wait. Here's what she was saying when she told her husband it as well. First of all, she was saying, get out of my face before I hurt you. That's the first thing. That's, that's the interpretation of her tongues. The second thing she was saying is, hey, it may not be the time where prophets respond to people, but you've got to understand times and dates are things that apply to people who do not prepare space for God in their life. But because I've prepared space for God in my life, I'm not governed by the same rules that everybody else is governed by. The rules that the world works under doesn't apply to me because I've created space in my life for God. I wish I had some believers that had enough faith, that understood that because of the presence of God on my life, the rules that everybody else lives by doesn't apply to me. So you can be afraid of inflation, you can be afraid of recession, but that doesn't apply to me because I'm connected to the kingdom of God and Jehovah Jireh my provider says that he will provide for me when it's raining and he will provide for me when it's a famine I know that this is what they say the health diagnosis is and there is no way that they can find a cure but you've got to understand I know somebody named Jehovah Rapha and he is a healer and he speaks a better word over my life and I'm not being disrespectful and I'm not being ignorant but those rules don't apply to me when I'm a person that creates space in my life for God, I have access that other people do not have. Here's what the Bible says. Psalm 27 verse one, it says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble you shall hide me in the pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock, and now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. There's certain things that you may go through that other people are looking at you like, I don't know how you still have your joy. 
Why do you still go to that church? Why do you still praise God? Why, why, why are you still lifting your hands? And you're going to be able to say confidently, because I've found a place in God. I've prepared a place for him that even when something dies, he brings it back to life. I found a place where God answers prayers that I don't even have the guts to pray for. I found a place where God perfects everything that concerns me. And I'm making a decision in my heart. I'm not leaving that place that I've prepared for God. Can you do me a favor? Can you hop up on your feet? We were singing that song earlier. I will make room for you to do whatever you want to. And that's when you know you wrote the right message. I'm like, this is, this is, this is, this is the Holy Spirit. atmospheres like this, this is exactly what we're doing. We're saying, God, I'm making room for you to do whatever you want to do. Just right where you're standing, just close your eyes just for a second. I'm not going to keep you long, but just where you are, just take a moment and, and make space in your heart for God. Don't, don't wait till you go home. Don't don't wait till Sunday, but just, just in that moment, as, as the worship leader just said, maybe even just open your hands. And just think in your heart, wh where is the area of my life where I need God to show up? God, I've done everything that I could do in my marriage. And God, it's gotten worse, not better. God, I, I make space for you. God, I've gone to every doctor, every specialist. I've... God, I'm not giving up hope. I'm, I'm making room for you. God, I've battled this depression, this worry, this anxiety, this insomnia. God, I make room for you. Come on, church. He's here right now. Before I do anything else, I want to pray for some of you that if you'd be honest enough to say, Pastor, I've got some dead miracles in my life. There's some things that it was amazing at one moment and God, at this moment, I've lost hope. Maybe there's some dreams that you have that you've buried. Maybe there's some relationships that, that, that have just fallen apart and have never come back. But I believe in a God that calls dead things alive. And I believe in a God that looks at things that are not, that everybody else has given up on, but yet he says with one word, come forth and breathes life into it. And I just believe if we would lay those dead situations in his hand. So right where you are, if you say, Pastor, that's me, can you just lift both your hands right where you are? Maybe it's not you. Maybe it's a loved one that's standing in need of healing. Maybe it's a child's marriage that you're interceding on behalf of. This is an atmosphere of miracles.
Father God, in this moment, we come to the same God that said, Lazarus, come forth, and his dead body walked out of that tomb alive. We come to the same God that stepped out of that tomb with, with, with the keys of hell, death, and the grave in his hand. You are the God that calls dead things alive. And God, you know every situation. You know every person. God, you know every story. And God, I pray that you would breathe your breath of life over every dead miracle in our lives. God, that you would revive what only you can revive. God, there's some of us in this room. God, it's our faith that needs reviving. God, we're going through the motions, but, but we've lost a hunger and a passion for you. God, would you restore a desperation for your presence? God, I pray that you would heal where healing is needed. God, that you would deliver where deliverance is needed. God, that you would restore joy in a way that we haven't had in a long time. God, we'll be ever so careful to give you all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. In the matchless name of Jesus, we pray. Come on, can somebody shout amen and amen? Hey, can we take about two minutes? Can we sing this with all our hearts and say, God, I'm making room for you to do whatever you want to do. Come on, let's just go there. Let's just cry.